Welcome to the Callaway Golf Podcast, part of the Callaway Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jeff Newbarth. Welcome to the Callaway Golf Podcast. Once again, the quarantine edition. Jeff Newbarth here joined by Kevin Kisner. Thanks, Kiz, for taking some time out of the day. What's up, Jeff? Thanks for having me, buddy. Well, this is happy hour for you. So it's only one o'clock out here on the uh, on, on, on the West Coast, but we're going to be taking your questions on Facebook, on Periscope, on YouTube. Uh, hit us up on our Callaway social channels on Twitter. Hit Kiz up on his social channels. Where can people follow you? Uh, Twitter, K underscore Kisner. And then on Instagram, I'm Kevin underscore Kisner, I think. I don't even know. They'll figure it out. All right, just search Kevin Kisner Instagram. You guys will figure it out. You definitely want to follow him and all these things. Uh, we definitely want to hear from all of you, get all your questions. Uh, again, as part of the Callaway Podcast Network, we have so many great podcasts coming out there. The Fitting Room, the guys uh, did an amazing show. Dean Evs and Nate Adelman, all kinds of uh, goodness that they're dropping. And next week, they have a mailbag. So I want to start off, Kevin. If you had to ask a fitting question to Nate or Dave that they will answer next week on the Fitting Room podcast, what would your first fitting question be? Why am I not hitting it 450 yards if every new driver goes 10 yards further? Because you're not Kyle Berkshire, the world long drive champ. Have you yep. seen that guy swing? Generation driver, every company says it goes 10 yards further than the last one. I haven't gained a yard. Really? Well, I'm, I don't swing it any faster. You can only well, go. That's what I was going to say. Exactly. Yeah, you, you've, maxed out, you've maxed out on your swing. But you know what? I look at it where the measure of success uh, and by the way, can we just show everyone what that is a can of? Because I'm very impressed with your fitness and health regimen. Yeah, I'm staying fit in my coronavirus quarantine. I love it. I love it. Uh, what I find so interesting is there's only a couple guys who, I forget what the ball speed measurement is, that are sort of below a certain threshold that I want a, a technical term I like to call a boatload of money. And you're one of those two. So I don't think we have to worry too much for your, your getting that extra yard or two because you make up for it with all the other parts of your game. What, what do you work on during times like this? You, you mentioned you live pretty close to a driving range. Like when we don't know going back, June 8th is the assumed date at this point. But how, how are you working on your game? I, uh, what I've kind of done is treated as a mid-career hiatus. I, I've taken the time to work on the things that you don't really want to work on during tournament season. And basically golf is full year-round now, so you never really have time to make some some technical changes and feel comfortable with them. So. Uh, I do that mostly in the gym and, and training, but, you know, go hit some balls and actually stand over a, a golf shot on the golf course not knowing I have to hit it next week because I don't have to hit it next week, and I can actually try to make some changes on the golf course. So most of the time I'm just uh, I'm just trying to keep a club in my hand. I think that's the biggest key in, in off time is at least just grab a club, swing it a few times, hit a couple balls. It just makes you feel so much better the next day than trying to take like 10 and 15 days off and then come back. Yeah, what do you think it's going to be like? Because they're, they're saying that when they do give uh, the final approval to whatever the date is, it's going to be like a three-week notice and everything. Is that going to be like golf training camp? Should we like be doing hard knocks like they do with the NFL? Like, because hard knocks kids would be pretty awesome. I would tune into that every day of the week. What do you think that, that period is going to be like? I'm, uh, I'm intrigued. You know, the difference between where you are in the country and what you can and can't do, and not only in our country but around the world, you know, we almost have a third international members, and if they're abroad, they may not even be able to leave their house, so not not hitting golf balls at all. It's going to be interesting, you know, trying to rush back and, you know, eight weeks off and then try to go compete. So the tours, from from what I've heard on the calls, are trying to keep everything in mind that we they got to put a good product out. They don't want us just to jump out and say, all right, go play, boy, shoot 65. <laughs> they understand it takes a little time. So um, 
it's it's uh I'm sure once we get going, people are gonna be jumping back to, to practicing like crazy. Yeah, and people are gonna want to play all the time because you know, one thing that you mentioned is golf is so year round. I mean, you always end up playing uh, I never know the name of the tournament anymore, but the one in December that, that used to be the shark shootout, but you play a year round schedule without this type of break. What's it been like for you just to kind of recharge and refresh? Cause the, you've never really had that. I was, I was telling somebody the other day, I, changing light bulbs in the house, taking the trash out. Uh, right. All the, my honey do list seems to keep growing. And uh, <laughs> I looked over the other day and noticed this random girl on my couch. It was my wife. I hadn't seen her in a while. And, uh, <laughs> No, it's uh, it's different, you know. I haven't slept this many consecutive days in my bed, I don't think, in 10 years, 15 years. Yeah, yeah, it's such an adjustment. All right, first question. Uh, this one actually came via text message. Johnny Thompson, I've heard of the name, of all the Callaway Tour reps that compete in tournaments of Palmetto, which ones have actually won something and gotten their name on the board? I have a strange feeling Johnny would only be asking this question if he's part of the answer. So let's answer that one for Johnny. I would hope that Mike Sposa was on the board, but I don't think he is. The The biggest issue I have with that question is Johnny had to jump ship and his his original partner, one of my best friends from the club, he jumped ship, did not partner with him, and won with two other guys. So I think there's a huge asterisk by his name on the board. Oh, totally. Well, have you gone and actually put – because now you could just walk in there and put the asterisk up. No one's there to stop you. Well, you can't go in the club. It's locked. Oh, stop it. All right. Oh, okay. I figured you had your own key because you're, you're kind of like that. Uh, are courses open in South Carolina or are they closed or is it only privates open? Kind of give us the lay of the landscape there. This They're is uh, from Matt on uh, YouTube. Golf is essential in South Carolina. They are open. And uh, my club is closed. We don't have any flag sticks and we have holes flipped upside down. You can walk, no carts. Uh, they're still doing normal maintenance, but uh, no carts and you can walk. There are some clubs that are open for business that probably wouldn't make it through if they didn't, if they had to shut down. Yeah. For that long. So um, as of now, you can still play golf. Well, that's, that's encouraging to know. So how often are you, you, you mentioned you want to try to hit balls every now and then. How often are you getting out there on the golf course and trying to, you know, whether it's work on some of these swing changes or sort of, you know, work on your short game. Cause I mean, your short games, you know, your putting spectacular. You obviously got to keep working on that. Yeah. I love putting. Uh, the funny thing is I realize how much I need to walk more when I'm at home. I carry my own clubs and walking sucks. I, that's what we've been doing. <laughs> Man, I don't want to walk again tomorrow. Let's take a day off. So I've been playing maybe, you know, twice a week, three days a week, going to play, trying to get a game. It's, it's funny. I played uh, in two net tournaments at the club that we've kind of put together. It was just go play at your own leisure match play deals. They put mm -hmm. me at plus five, and I'm, I've lost in both both tournaments in the first round. And Really? How many strokes? For, how many strokes were you giving somebody? I'm having to give back on five holes, and they get their regular handicap. It's pretty tough in match play. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't work in your favor. I make birdie for net par. Five yeah, exactly. Five. Yeah, they they make a six for four, and you make a birdie, <laughs> and end up losing the hole. That's crazy. All right, got a bunch of questions coming in. We're going to try to get to as many as we can. Jackson Miller wants to know what's your go-to meal during quarantine. This is a great question. I've cooked more like long, slow cooks on in quarantine than I have my, my career. I did a ham on Easter. I've done a couple pork shoulders. I got a brisket in the freezer I'm working on. So if you got some really good brisket recipes, send them to me. Nice. I can't figure out which one's better with on the cook. I have a Traeger and a green egg side by side, and the Traeger sure seems easier on the temperature. But then yep. 
green eggs more fun drinking beer because you can go outside every five minutes so you got to mess with the temperature um, yeah, but so, you can do that on the Traeger. I, I have a Traeger and you just, no one else knows. You, you just walk outside and say, I got to go check this to make sure that the numbers don't change. And you just stare at it and you have your, your, your cocktail. With you. I got it. Still pull that off. Okay, good. We'll stand yeah, out here. We're still doing good. And then, then you'd be like, well, can't you just check that on the phone? Like, yeah, but I'm trying to disconnect from the world. So I'm just going to go out there and look at it. <laughs> so I've been doing the same thing. I've been, I've been cooking nonstop. We, we've been sort of having an internal office competition and Luke Williams, uh, who works uh, in marketing on our Odyssey brand. Uh, had a prime rib that he did for Easter that was just spectacular looking. I did a pulled pork that uh, I made a six pound one on, on Saturday that I'll be eating for the next 10 days, which is ridiculous. All right, next question uh, from someone's name I can't pronounce, El Sedenilic. Uh Kevin, what are the things you're thinking about when you stand over a putt? How am I going to make it? I'm, I'm always like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like big picture guy. So I want to see see the entire picture from the ball all the way to the hole, the curve, how it's going to go in. And that's how I focus on my speed. Um, I think if, if you're a straight line putter, it's hard to focus on speed. You got to really be conscious of it. So when I see the whole picture, I see like an arc, you know, how they put that graph up when you're watching golf and they show you yeah. that break Put tracker. I can almost picture that when I'm standing behind the ball. And then when I walk in, I can almost see a line on the green. Maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm not, but I'm pretty good at it. Well, I mean, statistically, it shows that you, you may be crazy good because your, your numbers are as good as anybody in the game. But also, it's pressure putts. And a lot of people remember, you know, the match play and all that stuff. You can bring your family in. Who cares? Okay. This is casual. Um, but, you know, when, when you does it change? Hey there, who do we have here? This is Kate. Can you say hi to Mr. Jeff? Hi. Hi, Kate. Uh, why is your dad such a good putter? Tell him because we work on it. Because they work on it. Nice. Well, that makes sense. You do work on it. But what's the difference in a pressure putt? Oh, man, you, uh, that's what you practice for. The whole reason you go to the practice screen, you work on your drills, you hit so many practice putts for that one moment. That's why you're prepared, you're ready to hit the pressure putt. Most of the time, you know, we're, we're built to think of the negative or what might happen negatively instead of what's going to happen when it's positive. And I try to stress the other side. I'm like, man, just think about how cool it's going to be when you make this putt. Martin Taylor wants to know, do you have a simulator at your house? If, if not, why not? I think you have a pretty good reason not to have one. I got a, a, a whole fresh air simulator right in my backyard. I drive my golf cart about 40 yards to a range that is basically my own little paradise right now um, with nobody else being out there, nobody to pick the ball. So I'm going old school. I'm hitting my own balls. I'm going to pick them up and come back. So I'm really focusing on hitting it really straight and solid in the same distance every time right now. Yeah. Yeah. Kate, is your dad telling the truth there? Or does he have you guys run out there and go pick up all the golf balls for him? Say no. Like he calls it, he calls it an Easter egg hunt, but he's like, uh, you know, go get these golf balls and put them back in the <laughs> shag bag. <laughs> all right. Next question. Chris Eldrick wants to know some courses have stoppers in the holes and the ball comes to rest against the stopper. It's considered hold. If you hit a stopper with your tee shot on a par three, is it, or is it not a hole in one? No chance. Yeah, I agree with so you. What we've done yeah. is we've cut uh, pool noodles to about an inch below the cup. And I'm already raising mm -hmm. cane about balls rolling in and hitting the pool noodle and bouncing out. And they're not <laughs> counting those either. So can't count. You're not counting noodle. those? No. All right. Yeah, I don't think you want to make your only hole in one, too. It's like, oh, I made this hole in one one time. I was playing with a raised cup and I hit it and deflected and it went 20 feet away, but I counted it as a hole in one. Right. That, that's not a good story. How many holes in one do you have? No clue. More than I'm 20? 
No, I bet I've got eight to ten. I've only made one eight on tour. Ten. Only yeah. one on tour. When, where was that? Uh, last year in New Orleans. Okay. Kate has a question for you. Is that a question for the audience or she, she's no. like, I'm out of here. This is boring me. That's some ice. Oh, okay. Well, nice. I like it. I have one hole in one, one hole in one at Isleworth. That's a good spot. I know it wasn't on number two. Mm -mm. No, that's that, that. Well, that's not a par three for me. That's, that's a par four. That is one of the hardest holes. Like you just take eight iron and go left and then try <laughs> to wedge it up there and hope you make your four. Eight iron. What tees are you playing? I'm not playing the ones you're playing. I'm playing uh, the Palmer tees. I think the Palmer tees, which is like one up from – well, they put those Tiger tees in, which are insane. Right. Um, I think it's like 250 yeah. from those back tees. Yeah, but but the one I play from, you literally – you don't even go at the hole. You go eight iron way left, and then you just have a wedge in. You play it as a par four. Because that, that, that little opening between those two trees, there's always like Spanish moss kind of growing off it. It's like four feet wide to hit a 230-yard shot. Right. Yeah, it's I feel like I'm going to hit the trees and drop straight down. Now i got to hit five iron across there. Exactly. So I just lay it up way to the left of it and play it as a par four. But no, I got mine on number five there. All right, next question. Uh, Michael Zedrick, what drills do you use uh, when you're practicing your putting? So I'm always trying to get very stable. I think in putting, it, it all starts in your setup. If you're not in a proper setup, then you, you're losing before you ever hit it. And I think if you're in a proper setup, then um, – it's pretty easy to make the stroke. So I'm always trying to get – run my – bend over and bend my knees until the tops of, tips of my fingers hit the tops of my knees. So that way I'm getting really stable in a good position, strong position to dead – like I'm doing a deadlift, and that way I feel really stable. The more stable you feel, the less your head's going to move, which everybody knows your head moves, difficult to putt. So um, I'm always working on uneven surfaces. Uh, foam, I'll show you some uh, – Yeah, show us. So I'll stand on stuff like this, uh -huh. even like air pads, you know, to try to make myself more stable. And uh, that's how I try to get make myself get in a proper setup. How much time do you spend uh, if you're going to be practicing, say, the week of an event where, where you know, you're going to play practice rounds and stuff like that? How much dedicated time to, to short game and putting do you do? I, uh, it just depends on the week, you know, how much I feel like I need to do it. And uh, – I spend more time putting than I than I do anything else. Probably, I, I feel like you know that's where we can make the most strokes up. And and for my game, if I don't putt well, I'm pretty much not going to play well. Um, yeah. But if I putt really well, I'll probably have a chance to win. So I'm always trying to work on my speed. Obviously, we change grasses all the time and, and green speed. So I'm working on trying to conquer that every week. Yeah. A uh, bunch of questions coming in here. Morgan Clum wants to know who's your Mount Rushmore of golf. Hmm. Tiger, Jack, Byron. I'm just not that good at history buff. Probably Ben Hogan. Yeah. He's pretty good. Yeah. He's pretty good. Not, you, no he, one's really going to argue with you on that. There's only four, right? Yeah, four on Mount Rushmore. Yeah. I <laughs> At least on, on, on the normal Mount Rushmore, there's only four. I mean, if you wanted to add Bobby Jones and say, hey, my Mount Rushmore is five, uh, I'd be okay with it. He's <laughs> well, pretty good, too. He didn't turn pro. No, he didn't. He didn't. That's true. Um Steve, this is a good question. Steve Upaselli wants to know, what's your go-to drink when you're done with a round? Water. Well, what, what kind of round? At a golf tournament or playing with my buddies? I would have, let's answer both. Let's answer both. Let's say if you're, if you're coming off the 18th at, 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 after the third round of the, the Colonial when we're back down there. Yeah. Water, right? Well, yeah. I, I usually have some type of recovery. The thing is okay. I, I have this persona that I just drink all the time and, and 
right. hang out and have fun. But I actually spend a lot of time on, on my body and working out and fitness and trying to – I'm 36, so I have to keep up with these young young bucks too. So, um, but don't you I, think that's I, part of the fun though? Do you think that's part of the fun is that everybody thinks you're out there just like slamming beers the whole yeah, time and you're like, absolutely. you can think that all you want. I've outworked you and I'm in better shape than you. And now you're going to lose to a guy you think is just sitting around drinking beer all day. 100%. It's my favorite part of the job, especially when everybody in the crowd is like, you want a beer? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I'll drink a beer with you on Sunday night. Yeah, for sure. And then if you're playing around at Palmetto with your buddies and you finish up, is it just a beer? Is there what, what's your cocktail okay, of choice? We don't only have beer at Palmetto. So um, I have a few beers with those guys and that normally cascades before coronavirus into backyard cookout, everybody in my backyard to wives showing mm -hmm. up yelling at all the husbands. I like it. All right, let's talk about your caddy. Let's talk about Dwayne. We have more people than I can count the questions. Everyone wants to know, how does he get his calves so huge, and is he ready to go go head-to-head -head with Phil? If you think his, his uh, calves are impressive, you ought to see his mom's. Better than Phil's? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's Dewey's joke every time. When I know. Somebody new. We walk off the tee, and somebody goes, holy cow, look at those calves. And he goes, oh, yeah, you ought to see my mom's. Everybody loves that line. Uh, Phil's got no chance with Dewey. Dewey's are 23 inches in circumference. I think I've measured them before. I mean, wow. Phil has no chance. But That's Dewey like Hulk, Hogan, Hulk Hogan back in the day with his, his pythons. Right. Dewey says from carrying that body around for 40 years. Wow, that makes sense. That makes <laughs> sense. So what, what, speaking of your caddy, like what, what's he been doing during this? I mean, this is like one of the things, you know, we, we all try to think of others during these times of, of kind of craziness. How, how have you been in touch with him? How have you been helping him out and just making sure he's doing okay too? Yeah, I, he lives on a golf course as well, and his kids are super, super big in the golf. So I see, I text with him and call him, and they're, they're out walking, playing golf every day. I, I'm sure he's having a ball. You know, he's got a, two yeah. teenagers that probably want to run around and not hang out with mom and dad. So they're having to be forced into hanging out with right. him. I'm sure he's having a ball being at home. And he's had some health issues over the years. So I'm sure this break's mm -hmm. been, been awesome for him to kind of recover and, and get ready to roll for when we do start back. Do you, do, do you have like a, a training plan in mind for him where you, you slowly, like maybe he starts with a, with a Sunday bag then goes to a cart bag and then gets back to the, 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 the staff bag, or are you just going to kind of trust him to be ready to go? No, he's ready. He's ready. Uh, Texas in June, Texas in June won't be cool. No, I told him, I said, ever since you started trying to worry about your body, you've been breaking down. You need to go back to eating McDonald's and not giving a hell about it. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, tons of people asking about uh, your putting. Uh, a lot of them about the number seven putter and, and that head that has been so good for you. Why does that shape resonate with you? And why is it something you'd recommend people go try? I started probably most of my younger career with, with the two ball. Then I went to the two ball blade when it came out. And so it's kind of morphed from those into the seven, been with the seven for a long time. But I wish Joe Toulon was on here because all he ever does is try to get me to come up with a better way to make the seven. I said, dude, I, my putting's pretty good. Let's just stick with this number seven. But uh, he, he sent me a couple of designs. He must be really bored during this coronavirus of things that he thinks we can improve on. So um, I love face balance, but still having the ability to swing it, swing it up, uh, open and shut a little bit more than a total face balance. So I like those fangs in the back for alignment. I, I don't really pay attention to the face as much as most people. I pay attention to the whole putter. So I think the overall shape is big for me. And what about the grip? I've been with a super stroke grip for, I don't know, four or five, six years. I, when I went through a bad stretch, you know what we all do, we'd start reaching, grabbing for other things, and, and mm -hmm. that one felt the best. So I, I, I started putting with it, and I've been hooked on it for a while. 
Yeah, it just seems like when you find something you like, you kind of you kind of stay with it. Um, what's interesting to me about your your putting is if you look statistically, it, it feels like you you make more long putts than almost anybody you know that I see. And is that is that because you're you're again this whole big picture concept of trying to see it all the way in, as opposed to do you think it's just because other people are like worried about oh I have a thirty five footer downhill and they're just trying to get it close or like what what's what's your mentality and when you try to lag it close other than match play where it makes sense and versus just trying to make everything yeah I, I pretty much if I'm on the green I'm trying to figure a way to make it I figure if if I try to make it and I miss my chances of being closer are better than trying to just get it close and missing that so I, I shoot for it all um, but I really do believe that you know it's like I tell people all the time I, if I ask you to throw me a ball from 10 feet 10 out of 10 times you're going to throw it right to me and then I go put it down on the ground 10 feet from a hole, and I say, just put it up to that hole, and you might put one four feet short and another one six <laughs> feet high, and I don't understand how – it's just not that difficult. So, obviously, something in the brain is changing, and I, that's why I always trying to get people to focus on a pitcher, trying to – it's like shooting a free throw, you know. Guys just stand up there, and you're not going to hit the top of the backboard and then leave it six feet short. You're going to be somewhere around that rim. So, if you're focused mostly on the hole and seeing that picture, I think it's going to improve your putting overall. Have you have you seen have you seen Shaq try to make a free throw? Yes, but at least he hits the rim most of the time. It's most of the time, most of the time, some of those are absolutely atrocious. Yeah, I know. I know you're a big sports fan as well. What what about you know like like what what are you missing most about sports? I think it's it's really funny. Somebody said it yesterday. Like this has only been a month. Like I feel like I have not seen. A, a live sporting event in like 10 years. And I mean, that's all I watch is live sports. So for me, it's kind of trying to find new things to do. But what, what do you miss the most about it? What's crazy is I don't even turn the TV on anymore. I, we come yeah. in, we cook, we hang out with the kids, play a board game or something, put them to bed, and then we maybe turn on the TV to watch Netflix or something. But what I'm, I'm looking forward to is, uh, you know, seeing greatness, man. That's the greatest part yeah. about sports is all the cool things that you can watch in every sport and how good athletes we have in this world and how awesome it is to watch them compete. Yeah, it's crazy because uh, I'm actually excited for this Sunday. ESPN's going to uh, – they moved up the timing of that documentary on the Bulls, the last dance, uh, the Michael Jordan last time he played with the Bulls, and they won their title 97, 98. I can't wait to watch that. Uh, I have to admit we watched the eighth episode of uh, Tiger King yesterday just to get that out of the way. And it was as awful. I felt as awful as, as I would in South Carolina. Do you, do you, do you have any large cats in the, in the backyard there? Any, any cage tigers or have you stayed away from this? You know, that one, the one uh, facility is in South Carolina. I know. So I know. think about when quarantine's over, just cruising on down there and checking on them, see if it's still rocking and rolling. And <laughs> I mean, that was like a cult of women down there that he is brainwashed into being his lovers. That was an interesting piece. I have not watched yeah. the episode, but if you tell me it's as bad as the first seven, I'm probably not going to waste my time. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's Joel McHale from TalkSoup who basically interviewed everybody who was in it, or most of them who were in it. Uh, and so it was, you know, it's only 40 minutes, so it's 40 minutes of my life I'll never get back. But uh, at least I can say that I finished it. All right, everybody knows you have a great relationship with the boys over in Barstool, so we're not going to focus on it for too long. But who is the worst golf swing? Riggs, Trent, Frankie. Like watching or it. All of, or all of the above. Yeah. Yeah, they're all pretty bad. Riggs is the ugliest, but gets the most out of it. Frankie okay. could be the best, but is a mental train wreck. And Trent just obviously has never had any instruction, but is a decent. Well, yips. Yip, yip, yips don't help. All right. Most important question we're going to ask you today from Ryan Hatton. 
How's turkey hunting in South Carolina? It's been slow. It's uh, they're just starting to gobble pretty well. They're not as hinned up as they have been, but uh, I had one at sixty yards today and never came any closer. So uh, it's been a it's been an interesting. Did year. you hit the backboard? Did you hit the backboard or not? You got to be closer than that to shoot turkey. That's pretty much a hail mary with a shotgun. Okay, I've just given you my, uh, my my life story on the amount of times I've been hunting in my life. All right, uh, this is an interesting one from Jennifer. What's the tournament course you like playing the least? Well, I would assume you just wouldn't play it unless it's a major, and then you're kind of forced to play it. Yeah, I always say San Diego, Torrey Pines, just because of you know that's like, that's like a mile from me. Like literally, if I open the window here and you yelled, you you could you could yell it. Well, I guess there's no one there to yell at. You don't like those greens, do you? I don't like the greens. I don't like it 58 degrees and like overcast, foggy, wet, long, big, rough. My ball is just right. like bounces a one foot in the rough and then I can't get to the green and I hit it to eight feet and can't make the putt. Well, what about, what about when the U.S. Open's there next summer? That'll play firm and fast. That'll I'll be a little bit better for you. It's not come. <laughs> you just skip the U.S. Open because you don't <laughs> like the golf course. You'll just tell them you'll be on the north course practicing. Yeah, I'll be over here. Y'all holler if you knew me. All right. Well, you know, you're uh, then, you know, we'll, we'll make a, we'll have a fun dinner out there. Cause we'll just say anything you do that week is just kind of a bonus. It's, right. it's interesting because, you know, people who don't like you, know, people who love POA or, or hate POA and for someone who depends on their putting is POA just more frustrating because of the unpredictability. You hit it perfect and it just hits some POA and then it's just, you can't do anything with it. I just can't stand seeing all that uneven grass between myself and right. footprints and just knowing I can absolutely pure one and it not touch the hole is the most frustrating yeah. thing I've ever seen in my life. All right. Conversely, people like me who aren't good putters, you just hope the poet kicks it in when you hit a bad right. putt. Uh, let's, let's reverse her question. What are some of the courses that you love going to? I like to be more positive than, than, than yeah. negative ones. I love the old school courses, Hilton Head, um, Colonial. Mm -hmm. I really loved Austin, obviously, won there last year, but I like the places that the ball chases down the fairway. And, you know, the straighter drivers, I think, helps more when it's firm and no rough because then your ball's really chasing. And mm -hmm. most of the time, the guys that bomb it, you know, they're flying it down there where I am. But if they're curving it offline, it's really going offline when it's firm. Do you, do you like Kapalua? I mean, I know it's always good to play it because that means you won the year before, so you get there. Uh, I don't know they redid it. So do, do you like – because that, when that course is firm, I mean, things can roll forever down there. Is that one you, you kind of like or do those greens kind of just kind of – make you not enjoy it as much. I always love being in, in Kapalua. Man, always a great place, but this year was brutal with the redo, and then we had a lot of rain. Yeah. The fairways were soft, and the greens were rock hard, so it was incredibly difficult to try to get the ball close to the hole, um, but you can't complain when you're walking around there playing. No, when you see the whales jumping in the background and the Mai Tais kind of on the side, it's, uh, it's definitely one of the, one of the good things. Um, all right, how about uh, people want to know about your driver? Can we, can we talk a little bit about that? I know it's something you've been working on and, and all the jokes aside that you're going to kind of throw at me, let's, let's skip them a little bit, but let's, I want to know, I don't want to talk about the club. I want to talk about the process. Right. What is it? What, what is your process for testing a club? Because, you know, let's be honest, you, you're not always one who just takes what someone gives you and says, oh, that's going right in the bag. You know, right. you, you're, you're going to work it out. And I know it's kind of a long process for you. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Can you just let people in on what the process is? So I mostly like to start at the house. I like to put them in on the golf course that I play all the time. I know exactly where my ball should be when I hit it 
a certain way on every hole at my golf course. So in my opinion, the best way to test it is if it's as good as mine or better, it should be in that same spot when I make that same contact or better further basically and straight. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the way I start it. And then most of the time it becomes in the track man world, which I really dislike, but you do it just trying to test. And Mm -hmm. I think one of the problems we have on, on, all of our technology is the easy adjustable way. And that has become like the way to fix a driver. And in my opinion, it's not always the best. So I, I take a lot of time working on what I have. I feel like professionals can swing differently based on where weight in the club is pretty instantly. So one swing to the next, and we're always trying to find that, that CG. So when you hand us a driver with a different shape or a different CG, I think it affects your golf swing tremendously and, and they change drastically. Do you, do you enjoy it? Do you enjoy trying new stuff or, or would you just rather just, you know, kind of stay the same year after year? Or do you, like some people get so excited when new stuff comes out just to try it, even right. if they don't end up, you know, you know, using it, all of it, at, at least just to get excited about it. Do you still have that or not really? Uh, I really enjoy it when it, ha- when it happens quickly. Hitting a hundred drivers gets old quickly at 36. Yeah. But, um, I really don't, I enjoy the process. I've been working with new irons this whole uh, break you know I've been playing the probably about 2015 set of apex pros and mm-hmm. I, I know it's time to switch I just never have time I never feel comfortable right so if I go and hit these irons for a week and then I go put them in play in the fourth hole of the Saturday tournament I'm in third place and I hit a seven iron I think it's perfect and it slices into the water and I make double I'm never mm-hmm. really gonna feel good about it so yeah. I I feel like it takes a lot of time to trust the equipment just to you got to make sure it works at your place at your club for five bucks. Then it Mm -hmm. works on Tuesday at the colonial and then it works on Saturday at colonial and then it works on Friday at Augusta national. So there's a lot of different steps in in all those places that has to pass the test. So um, fall golf, fall at Augusta national, you don't live too far from there. What's that going to be like? I think it's going to be very interesting, Jeff. I, I mean, seriously, I have no idea how they're going to pull that one off. But I think the grass can be fine with the proper weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if we get a hot – like last year it was 90 degrees on Halloween here. So – and it was hot all of October. That that ryegrass is going to struggle to come in. So I foresee a longer, wet golf course, which doesn't do me a lot of favors. And then hopefully, you know, if the, if the weather's cool enough, they can get the greens up to speed and have major championship golf. But don't they have enough enough technology and enough resources where they can do whatever they want? Like they can they can figure out they can sub air the entire property if they needed to. They can, I'm, I'm assuming they just put a dome over it, and you guys will just play indoor golf, and they'll have it climate controlled to like 71.5 degrees. That's swirling winds. Have you sent Mr. Ridley a letter yet? Proposing? No, no, no. Uh, you know it's funny. I'm 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 not on a uh, on a correspondence. Uh, Oh, really? program with him yeah yeah you probably find that hard to believe uh, but i have been in the masters so i have that going for me that was from ray jacobs who uh works some masters as well um all right bunch of questions here this is from derek uh, but i'm assuming charlie reimer put him up to us what's the top public golf course in myrtle beach mine answer is whatever one charlie's not playing what's yours <laughs> as long as i don't have to listen about to georgia tech crap while i'm down there i'll play any of them yeah Myrtle Beach is such a fun, underrated place to play golf. There's so many good places. Um, I guess I would go – I would probably go Caledonia. Caledonia I love. That's an awesome place. Yeah, I haven't been there in ages, but I remember Wachasaw Plantation was always really good. I don't know if that's public, though. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. It's there's so many good golf courses. Just call, you know what? Let's give out Charlie's cell number and just yeah. call. He's the ambassador for Myrtle Beach Golf. Just call him, yeah, and he will set you up. He will set you up with uh, free golf if you say that Kevin and Jeff told you to call him. Um, yeah, this is call him right now. Nah, just kidding. Perfect. <laughs> um, all right, this is from Matt Browning. I've heard of that guy. What makes you such a good match play competitor? And and more importantly, how good did it feel to close Matt out when you had your your match against him? I love competing. I love beating people. That's how I grew up. I, everything I did in golf was one-on-one chipping contest, putting contest. That's how I tried to get better. It was always competing. I think it built a good mindset for match play. And match play is so much different than tournament golf. You know, you're only beating one guy compared to 155 guys. And there's that 18th hole on Sunday putt probably two to three times in a match and compared to one time over four days. So, um, I think you gotta you gotta really live for that moment. The mo- the the most exhilarating part of closing out Cooch in that tournament was I didn't have to walk up that daggum hill to 17 T again after going around there 36 holes. Two days <laughs> like yeah, that's not an easy walk. <laughs> that's not an easy walk. All right, this is from Jared McSorley. You must have missed the first part of our conversation. We can recap it. What's the most difficult swing change you've had to make, and what are you working on right now? Um, you know, given that you have the time. And then his second follow-up is, what advice do you have people going through swing changes? So that's a lot. Let me see if I can answer. Yeah, so we'll go one at a time. Uh, most difficult grip, swing change grip, you've grip had to make. Most difficult. Grip is always the most difficult because it messes okay. up your entire field before you ever start. So I'm actually working on a little bit of weakening of my left hand. As I play throughout the year, I always get a stronger left hand. I'm trying to hit it further, playing a lot of wind. So I always crank my left hand over without knowing it. I keep people to watch it so i'm working on that steepening a little bit of my backswing so i can shallow it out a little better coming down and um for for swings changes guys everybody i watch or tell somebody to do they want to drag a ball over there and swing at full speed and think they're going to make a change on the next swing that never is going to happen so you got to make a ton of rehearsals you got to do stuff at slow speeds and you got to work on the things you got to work on in the gym with heavier weights and stuff so if you're trying to get more external, do some more external rotation with your with your weights. It's things like that. There's no way you're going to change from one ball to the next, so you might as well get over that. Yeah. All right. This one uh, from another name I can't pronounce. Unisold Tech. When was the, why can't people have simple names? Uh, when was the last time you paid for a course outside of Palmetto? Paid to play golf. Yeah, I paid. I'm not afraid to pay. I play – I'd rather pay than people know who I am. At some places, I might be drinking with buddies and raising canes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I know I paid at Edisto Island a few years ago. All my buddies, we went out and played nine holes at like five in the afternoon. And then the mm-hmm. lady came out and tried to give me my money back when we finished. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm good. Y'all have it. That's yeah. Did you, ever, did you, ever, did you ever, ever when you were overseas? Did you ever like when you go over to the Open or anywhere? Just try to – like not, some of those courses? Yeah, I played North Barrett with JT last year, but I don't think they made us pay. I can't remember if they made us pay. I think they may have maybe paid for, like, the buggy rental or something. Yeah. Uh, but I, did you tell them you didn't want a buggy that you – yeah, that you told them I didn't want a buggy, you wanted a cart? Yeah, heck yeah, I wanted a cart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah especially over there, if you don't do it much, that sucker will roll by 100 yards without you knowing it. I know. I, know. I love going over there. Like, you know, Ireland, Scotland, that's, that's like, you know, when I was, I was pretty bummed when they canceled the open. And again, it totally makes sense. You know, a small remote, uh, you know, part, I, I worked the last one at St. George's. It's not easy to get to and, and people would be coming from all over the world and you just, you don't know what's going to happen. So it makes sense, but I'm glad that they kept that one on for next year. And then we pushed St. Andrews back. 
Um, have you played the old course before? I have. I played there in, uh, I think it was 15. 20, 15 we were there last time. What is that one still like of all the opens? Is that still the most special to be able to, to go to the home of golf and be able to, does that still get you excited about it? For sure. For sure. It was my first British open. So I was, uh, it was, it was just such like a all encompassing week for me. I, I just, my, my first trip over there to play, playing at the old course, crazy weather, you know, trying to get my bearings on how to prepare for that type of golf. So it, it mm-hmm. was a, it was a really cool experience. I'm looking forward to going back in a couple of years. Yeah. That's, that's, I think we're going to try to do a hard knocks documentary of a week of you at, at the old course. That would just be too much fun. Um, <laughs> all right. People are asking, this one's from bunker snot, the, the photos behind you, the trophies, can, can you kind of walk people through kind of your, your, your little home here? Yeah. That's my little man cave I hang out in. So. Yeah. Yeah. Let's give us a, give us a little tour if you don't mind. That's uh that's the colonial with all the scorecards. So when you went on tour, they make these things for you and send them to that you. That was nice of them. Pretty cool. How am I doing with my video work? You're doing great. You know, you're, you're really good on the camera. We've proven that year after year. Yeah, uh, that's my Sea Island one. That's all my scorecards. So I think Dwayne actually gave me that as a present after my first win. Uh, trophies. As a belt buckle, I won a Colonial. This is a cool one. President's Cup. All the guys yeah. signed it and wrote something to me. I'll find awesome. the next one. Look what Tiger wrote. Can you see that? Kis- Kisner who? <laughs> <laughs> um, my wife comes down here and redesigns, so I never know where all the stuff is. What, this what's, is what guitars you got going on the walls there? That's uh, Darius Rucker gave me that with all his – all those guys from Hootie and then electric guitar from somebody. I have to look at that. Kegerator. Well, that goes without saying. I'm surprised yeah. there's only one in there. That's dual. Dual kegerator. Oh, okay, dual. All right. Well, thank you for the tour of that. So um, what, what are some things, you know, you dog, mentioned kind of the honey. Dog up there, man. Oh, there's Aga. There's yeah, Aga's got to make an appearance. I mean, why wouldn't he? It's, this is my kid's playroom now. I've, they they only have three of those, but they've taken this one over too. <laughs> well, they they want to hang out with their dad, so yeah. it gives them a chance to look at the pictures and stuff. That's right, and all that stuff. So, so t- team events like the Presidents Cup. Uh, what what makes those? So I know you've been asked about it a billion times. I, I've always said, especially with your match play record, your ability to putt, and the fact that you're like the guy everybody likes to get along with. No, not trying to pick on other people who maybe aren't as popular. Um, like you're the perfect guy for all these different competitions. If we have a Ryder cup this year where there's not going to be enough, enough qualifications um, versus we're going to launch a movement that you have to be on it. But how, how do you, how, how do you say, I mean, you, you're the perfect teammate for that thing. I think all those cup events, you want somebody that can do the things I do well, which is drive the ball in the fairway and, and putt. But you got to look at the golf courses too. So Whistling Straits is is longer, bigger, um, probably going to favor our guys at moment a little bit more. But I would have been perfect at Paris probably and, and down at Royal Melbourne. But I, I didn't play well enough in either of those leading up to the event. So it's, it's difficult to pick you when, if you're going off a of recent form. So it's, I would, you know, everybody gets criticized when, when things don't go well. So I wouldn't want to be in those shoes when they don't go well. If you go blow them out, nobody would ever question who you picked. No, that's true. And, and look, you can't question what Tiger did last time. You know, they, they came out of there with, with a win. Certainly that had to be so challenging going from you know, the Bahamas down to Australia and back. I loved all your, 
your your little barbs at people though the week of the bahamas when everyone's like hey they're highlighting all the guys in the president's cup you're like well i'm the only one besides them in the field <laughs> like it's just gonna, <laughs> exactly. you had fun with that there's no there's no europeans here guys or or internationals no, here just yeah exactly it was it was henrik it was you it was you know and uh, the guys from the european team yeah, the other 12 who are going to be heading down there. All right, we got a bunch more questions, so we'll get to them in a second. But one thing I did want to ask you about is when this thing gets back, and, and you, you, you said it kind of before we started, this is kind of like primetime Kisner season, you know, between uh, the run-up to the Masters, the Masters, Hilton Head, New Orleans. Um, how often are you going to play? When, when the tournaments restart? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it'll depend on the schedule. I think we're going to see a totally different revamp schedule than what's currently in place. And if the tournaments fit my game, I'm going to go play. If not, I'm not going to force it. I'm fortunate enough I'm eligible for the next three years. And um, if I go play to places, I'm going to play well. And I should take care of itself. If I see a point leading up to the FedEx Cup that I'm struggling or I need to get some more points to make it to the Tour Championship to have a chance to win, then I'll throw some in there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be so unique because one thing that's that's for someone like yourself who, who's been able for years to set their own schedule, you know a year in advance where you're going to play. And and now, like not knowing what the schedule is, I mean, Colonial is certainly a good enough place for you to start, but then, you know, who knows where which tournaments we end up going to, where they have them uh, kind of from there. Right. You know, it, just, it just makes it challenging. You, like, like, could you play four in a row? Or do you think like the max is like three on, one off? I think it's going to be difficult to play four in a row to start back, especially after two or three yeah. months off. I think it'd be terribly difficult to just put your body through traveling and playing and and doing all those things and try to jump back in and, and bite that bullet. But I think the amount that you're going to see players play is going to be incredible when we start back. Yeah. <laughs> lowest score, lowest score you've ever shot. Was it like a fun round with your buddies hanging out or was it a tournament? What's, what's, the, what's the lowest score you've ever shot? I've got 60. I've shot 60 on tour and I've shot 60 a bunch here at Palmetto, um, but never, never broken the threshold. I had a putt in Hawaii to shoot 59 that lipped out. And so that's 59 and a half, 59 and a half. No doubt. If they kind that's of everyone out, win every week. Yeah, well, that, that's what they – That's remember that round that Phil shot in Phoenix. Everyone calls that that, that 59 and a half because it kind of horseshoed in on the ninth hole when he, when he started on, on, on 10 over there. That, that's crazy. Is that – is playing a place like Palmetto, is that like because you have – because you can go so low there and because, you know, it's so scorable for someone like you? Is that, does that help you when you go out to the tour to some of these other courses that, that maybe aren't quite as uh, – giving as many birdies? I think it's always great to be able to shoot low. I think it's a huge asset to anybody's game. I, I even challenge good players to go play the red tees and see how, see how low they can shoot because you got to shoot low. Again, it's a mindset. you got to want more every time you get to 300 through six. You can't look around and go, man, I'm playing good. If I par out, I'll shoot 69. you got to say, man, what if I birdie the next six out of the next 12 and shoot nine under? And I think that playing the easier golf courses breeds that, that kind of mindset. Um, the only difficult part I have with Palmetto is there's not any real challenging shots that we get on tour, you know, the two thirties over water Island right. green type stuff, but there's plenty and plenty of challenges around the greens that I use to my advantage. All right. Matthew Hudson uh, says he just got his Kisner foundation hat. Thanks for all the uh, charity work that you do. So there's a thank you. Yeah, that's sweet. We've been fortunate that that's taken off and during this quarantine is, Obviously, people are spending more time on social media and, and not having much to do. And we've got a great partner in Land of Thee that built some awesome hats. So I'll push those a little bit and 
and that's really taken off. They, they, they put a camo one up today, so I'm going to tweet that out for all you people this afternoon. You can go buy a new camo hat. Jeff, I'll send you one because you need one out cool. there in California. Yeah, I mean, I could walk up to Torrey Pines when I'm when I'm doing a hike or something. I can look at your favorite golf course and send you pictures of it. Uh, this next one's from Jordan Rose, who was uh, someone who lived on my dorm in college for a couple of years. Not sure if this has been asked yet, but how does Kevin feel about potentially playing in front of no fans? It's going to be golf without fans. Very interesting. I, I'm I really not sure what that's going to feel like. Um, you know, we we had the game plan going to do that on Friday. The players, everybody was talking about how odd that was going to be. I was not at – we did it at Congressional five or six years ago when yeah. it was a storm, but I was not there. Um, I don't know. It's going to be weird. It doesn't matter. I mean, there's going to be somebody there. There's going to be a volunteer to, to fill the water coolers. Or, you know, there's going to be yeah. a handful of people around. But there will be no – I think coming down the stretch on Sunday is going to be very odd. But if there's no if there's no grandstands, right, and there's no ropes, and, like, if they eliminate all that stuff, then fans won't make a big difference because it's just – it's going to be like you're just playing golf, you know. Like, I think if there's empty bleachers, I think that's what's going to be, like, really strange. But right. I would assume I would assume that Colonial, maybe they had, I don't know, maybe they hadn't started building all that that infrastructure yet. Um, so it'll be interesting to kind of see where it kind of ends well, up. I would imagine that, you know, I don't think 100% that the tour hasn't come out that says we're not playing with fans. I don't see how we can. Right. But um, yeah. I, wouldn't, I would imagine that they're not going to stop building them until 100% we're not going to play with fans at your tournament. Because if we do yeah. allow them, they're not going to want to be unprepared. No, no, and you're not going to want to turn away uh, any gate. All right, uh, Shane Van Stavern is a one handicap looking to get more serious into my golf fitness and preparing for the Air Force golf team. Where would you start if you haven't lifted weights in five years? I would probably suggest the gym, but I don't know where, uh, where else Shane would be looking to, to work out. But what, what advice do you have for, uh, for him? You don't have to go to the gym. Uh, obviously, I'm – I'm training still doing tons of, of body weight. You can, you can wear yourself out anywhere you go, man. And you can do it quickly. So we, we're doing a lot of, you know, lunges, walking lunges and squats and squat jumps and sprints and things of that nature out here at the golf course in the evenings with a couple of the, I'm fortunate I have Scott Brown and Matt Neesmith that are both on tour. So we have some uh, social distancing workouts that we laugh and run through, but uh, anything to get that cardiovascular up and, and try to spike it quickly because that's what happens in, in golf is quick burst of energy. So you want to be able to do that when you get your body prepared for that. All right, who wins in a hundred yard dash between you, Matt and Scott Brown? Have you seen those two? I have. That's why I want to know how much you win by. Yeah. I'll usually run backwards. Yes, exactly. I could see you like sprinting the first 75 and turning around and backpedaling like Deion Sanders going backwards yeah, on him. Bolt high stepping. Yeah. I social yeah. distance them from me to the finish line. Yeah, exactly. It's that's just called the race. <laughs> I got to I got to know Matt a little bit this year. What 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 a what an awesome young player. What what a cool guy. He he seems like he's uh he has a lot of it to kind of together. Yeah, I feel terrible for him. You know, he got off to a pretty good start and having a heck of a rookie mm -hmm. campaign and getting yeah. ready to come back and play in front of probably where his, most of his family and friends are from in a lot of cool tournaments and and not going to be able to do it this year, but he's going to be back out there next year and he's going to have a long career on tour. He's a hell of a player. Yeah. For sure, for sure. All right, Kev. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. I, I uh, You're always one of the, our favorites to hang out with, and we, we really appreciate it. And thanks to everybody who asked all these really great questions. Um, you know, anything, uh, any final thoughts you have for all your fans who are uh, watching? Just kind of any words of like, advice, wisdom? 
I'm going to put it back on you and, and flip the script. But to end, I want you to explain to everybody when we do all these photo shoots across the country where you slot me on the time list and why. And I appreciate everybody for the sport and uh, hope you're all staying safe and happy and healthy. Yeah, so what we do with Kevin is we always come up with the, the, the shooting schedule and we give it to Bjorn and we always block off the last day, last time slot. J-Rod shows up with the cooler. I can't say what's in the cooler, but it's probably not water. And, and the reason we do it is because Kevin has figured us out. He knows that by the 18th player that we're shooting, we're tired, we're hot, we're done. We just want to get it done quickly, and we do. <laughs> we, have never, we have never, ever kept you over the allotted time for a shoot, and we're going to always keep that, that, that going for us. We all celebrate in style 30 minutes early. Exactly, exactly. All right, everybody stay safe. Uh, on Thursday, we have one of the young up-and-comers on the Callaway Golf Podcast. It won't be a live one. It's already pre-recorded with Will Gordon. Have you played any rounds with Will Gordon? I have not, but I heard he's long just like the rest of the newcomers. So Will had a really funny story he tells about the very first tournament he competed in. Uh, he, he was told by his playing partners, yeah, it's probably okay. You can probably try to drive. And he uh, drove the green to some uh, other tour pros who weren't so happy to welcome the rookie. So he will tell that story along with a whole lot more. Make sure you check out that on the Callaway Golf Podcast. Next week, we'll be back with a couple more podcasts. I believe we're going to have Francesco Molinari on. I believe we're going to have Thomas Bjorn on. We're working on tons of other players. Girls in Golf is going to have Emma Talley on tomorrow. And uh, Fitting Room guys have a mailbag coming next week. You want to check that one out. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks again to Kevin Kisner. We will see you next week, or see you Thursday with Will Gordon on the Callaway Golf Podcast.